Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Belinda Weaver. I am a copywriter. I'm the founder of Copyright Matters and the Copywriting Masterclass. And with me, as always, is my buddy, Kate Toon. Hello, I am Kate Toon. I'm also a copywriter, founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the Recipe for SEO Success eCourse. Now, today we're actually revisiting an older pod. It's one of our most popular. It's about copywriting fees and what to charge. Um, So this can be a really tricky area. Certainly as a new copywriter, it's certainly very stressful to talk about how much you're going to charge. And mainly it's because it feels like you're making up numbers and how much you charge can uh, strongly indicate how valuable you are. So in this pod, we're explaining how we charge for our output clients, how we put together our estimates, how we use our deposits to ensure fantastic cash flow, which is very important, and why we're not big fans of charging by the word. So I hope you enjoy it. So pricing is one of the biggest challenges copywriters face, knowing how much to charge, whether you're charging too much or not enough, and working out what everyone else is charging can be hugely stressful. Most copywriters need to take the time to think about what they have to charge to break even in their business or ideally make a profit. And with so many copywriters being secretive, for good reason, about their pricing, uh, it can be difficult to know where you sit in the overall picture. Uh, Lots of copywriters have rates pages or what I charge pages, but they genuinely don't really have any good information on them. So working out what you should be charging for your copy can be really tough. But unfortunately, setting up your rate is possibly the most important first step. Do you agree, Belinda? Yeah, absolutely. I'd also add that um, what you charge for your copywriting service has a lot to do with how confident you feel about it. Um, the more the more confident you are, the more you can charge. Um, and setting the rates for the first time, I remember being very stressed about it. I scoured the internet looking for any kind of clue on what other copywriters charged. And in the end, I felt like I just kind of put um, what I felt was a fairly reasonable price on it. And it was a bit of guesswork. And just I waited to see if they say yes or not. Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> I went from there. Yeah, and um, I think I think I as I, as you know, any previous listeners probably know that I came out of agency world. So I'd actually been um, an exec producer hiring copywriters for projects for like um, you know big brands. So I kind of knew what the going rate was for copywriters um, at that time, um, and that that was really helpful to me. I kind of felt like I had a bit of an inside track. But then I think. The reality of being a freelance copywriter who's working for small businesses compared to an agency copywriter who's working for big brands, the, the pay difference was was quite substantial, you know. Yeah. Uh, but like Belinda, I, I did go out there, you know, and I was Googling rates, rates, copywriter fees, and there was just no information. I think the only thing I found was Glenn Murray's website uh, where he said he was charging $1,000 for a homepage. Um, and I was like, whoa, that's, that's, that's amazing. Um, I'm not sure he still is. Glenn, if you're out there, you can you can comment and, and let us know. But uh, he, he was one of the only people who was kind of I guess, confident enough to kind of put a figure on it and put it out there. And so he was my my inspiration, I guess. I don't know if you remember looking at his site, Belinda. Oh, yes. I saw exactly the same figure. And I remember Glenn talking about how he charged by the hour and that kind of same huge number for a homepage. And I remember thinking, 
that man's got some balls because and then it links back to the confidence thing like I remember thinking and I'm not I think I still think this I'm not sure I would I am confident enough to say your homepage is going to cost you a thousand dollars for me to write yeah I think that we've got a meme for this week Glenn Murray has some balls there we go (laughs) this one might have to be a different rating this one yeah I mean I think Look, I think chat rates has a lot to do with lots of other factors as well. So you mentioned confidence, which I think is huge. How confident you feel about calling yourself a copywriter. We've talked about this before on previous um, podcasts. You know, when you feel I can say I'm a copywriter and no one's going to laugh in my face. Um, When you've got some good clients behind you, when you've got a bit of work done, when you've got some testimonials. But regardless of all of that, pricing also is important when it comes to cash flow. Mm. Like if you have a lot of work coming in and the phone is ringing and emails are coming through every day, it's easier to be, I don't wanna say necessarily cavalier, but more confident about your quoting and more confident about your rates because you've got a steady workflow. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you're um, much more comfortable saying no because when customers, um, some clients will inevitably say, oh, that's a bit more than I was thinking. Um, if you've got a full pipeline of work, it's easier for you to go, well, I don't really negotiate. I don't negotiate on my rate. Um, and I know we're going to talk a bit later about how you can deal with those kind of questions from clients. But with that full pipeline of work, you can just move on to the next quote. Yes, exactly. Um, We'll talk a bit more about that later on. So, you know, I I think those are important things to think about, you know, confidence and cash flow and inquiries. um, You know, those all play a part. But if you're just starting out, you probably don't have much confidence. You don't have any cash flow and you don't have any inquiries. So let's pretend that we're starting with somebody who's literally just like, today I am a copywriter. What should I charge? But there's a few different places now that you can go to to get some kind of gauge on rates. so there's a page that I've created on the uh, Clever Copywriting School website called, called Recommended Rates, and we'll add a link to that in the podcast. And that's that was based on a page which the uh, Professional Copywriters Network in the UK uh, created. Um, you might have heard us talking to Tom in a podcast a couple of months back, um, and they gave some kind of guidelines for rates as well. So that's, that's a place to start. I mean, it's my subjective opinion, but I do run uh, surveys every year with copywriters in the last Last year's one got about 200 uh, people entering um, and that gave me and I asked people what what do you charge what's your hourly rate and uh, people told me so that's ba- that's what it's based on it's not completely out of my own crazy imagination um, <laughs> but I think you know it falls into main three brackets yeah beginner level and that can be hard because, you know, I think you're probably talking in Australia right now, which is January 2016, anything from $40 up to about $80. Um, now, again, beginner means very different things. Beginner could mean that you've never written before or that you've been in a job where you did some writing, but this is the first thing you're doing on your own. Um, I think beginner is the hardest one to, to do, actually. I don't know what you think, Belinda, because you are comparing yourself with people like you know, on Elance or Upwork or on those hideous $5 for 7,000 words kind of websites. Yeah. And that's the space you're in and you can think, wow, well, do I, you know, how low do I need to go? And uh, it's hard, very hard. Yeah. And I think one of the, some tip that I got very early in my um, quoting experience with Copyright Matters was um, put your quote together and then add 25% because you're certainly undercharging. Um, so even if you charge 
quite a low price. Um, yeah. Consider if that's really going to cover your costs. And one yeah. thing you can do is is start um, at what you think is a reasonable price and see how many people say yes. And if everyone yeah. says yes to your quotes, you can probably put your price up a little bit higher. Like totally. it's it's not cast in stone, is it? You can change your price no, whenever you want. It. Exactly. Um, yeah, so the, uh, uh, we'll come on to that in a little bit as well because we'll talk about how, when and how to change your rate. So you've got the beginner level, you've got your mid-level, which I think is when you've been maybe going for a year or two years, when you're feeling more confident, had more clients. And again, um, you know, that, that can range between anything from 80 up to like 120, 130. Um, and then you've got your high-end and really high-end copywriters it, you know, they are the confident ones. They are the ones that have the most work, who have a great portfolio. And there is really no top limit. Um, you know, I know copywriters that charge, you know, three, four hundred dollars an hour. Um, and you'll often see people in the US, uh, you know, saying, I did a sales page and got 7,000 conversions and I charge 25 grand for a homepage, you know, sales page. Mm. Good on them. You know, I mean, the high end one, I do think there comes a point where you can't charge anymore you can't just keep putting your rates up because it just becomes ridiculous i i, I mean maybe i'm um limiting myself but uh you know there's only so much a certain type of business can afford if you're working with small businesses and you come to them and say it's going to be 20 grand for a sales page they're going to tell you to jog on yeah and um, if you're if you're working with the telstras or the commonwealth banks of this world well maybe you can charge a little bit more uh, i think the other thing with high end sorry to jump in there is that yeah. really high-end copywriters achieve really high-end results so I would I guess I would price myself as a mid-level copywriter even though I was very experienced simply because um, I was working with small to medium businesses who had clear and understandable budget restrictions Um, but I wasn't prepared you know I wasn't writing direct mail sales letters that were going to earn 150 grand that wasn't my specialist skill so I think high really high end um, is really high results so unless you're that kind of copywriter that's tough. Be careful. And I think if you are going to charge that much, you know, people are going to ask for those kind of results. They're going to say, okay, well, if I'm paying you this, how many conversions do you think I'm going to get? And they may even kind of stray into the territory of wanting to pay based on reward, yeah. um, you know, so a return on investment. So, you know, again, um, probably, you know, many of our listeners aren't even at that stage, but just when you see again, also when you see people spouting prices like that, don't necessarily believe all the hype, you know, it, when you actually sometimes get these people on the phone, you know, the, the jobs like that don't come in every day and they do do bread and butter work as well. So, you know, don't look at these people and think, oh, that's where I've got to be. I'm failing unless I'm at that level because generally they're not really at that level either. You know, maybe one have 100 copywriters is at that level so that would be my opinion anyway yeah absolutely um, I, I think it's less common than people think and, and yeah, that kind of okay. charging that kind of price does not mean that you are suddenly successful exactly exactly I don't think that's how I would me- it's one way to measure success but if you totally measure it that way uh, you might end up being a little unhappy overall but we're talking a lot here about charging hourly rates and mm. um, now I do think that hourly rates are a good place to start because they help you work out where you're at but I don't recommend charging by the hour some copywriters do but some don't what do you what do you think um, I absolutely agree I think you have to work out your hourly rate which is what any freelancer should do like how you know how much um, is the hourly rate 
in the formula for your quoting. Um, but I would never share my hourly rate uh, with clients. For example, um, if I talk to a, a client and they said, well, you're charging, let's say, $120 an hour, but I've just got an, a quote from another copywriter who was charging me 70 Well, the difference might be that I would take two hours to do the brochure and they would take seven. You know, yes. so the uh, just the number of the hourly rate is actually quite irrelevant. It's the total project price that really yeah, matters. It's, it's meaningless, I think. It's really meaningless when people say, can you tell me your hourly rate? Because it's like, well, it's this much, but, you know, it depends what I'm doing and it depends what type of project it is. It depends on so many other factors. So, yeah, I think I, I don't think it's a good idea to quote it. There are some instances where I think you have to quote it. We'll talk about that later with retainers. But I think straight up, I much prefer charging by the projects. And the benefit of the the project pricing where you, you have uh, how much it is for your writing and the revisions and maybe you send off your copy to a professional proofreader and you're also factoring in admin and all these other parts of a project is that there's this really comfy certainty for your client um, yes. on how much they have to pay and how much you're going to earn. So if you actually take less time than you quote, you're ahead. But if you take more time, then you're a little bit behind. But the client feels really good because they're not going to get stung. And that's one thing I w always felt a bit weird about this idea of hourly pricing where you say, um, well, it takes as long as it takes and it's going to be mm. this much per hour, which is something I know Glenn does. And there are, there are pros and cons to it, but I found... I think the uncertainty for clients is a really big con for that. Yeah, I would. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't want that with my own suppliers um, unless I really, really trust them. Yeah. And we've been working together a long time. I would never just kind of accept an hourly rate. It's happened to me before. I recently worked with somebody and I got their hourly rate and they said it was $175. But I, for some stupid reason, I didn't say, well, how many hours is it going to take? I just kind of went, okay. And in my brain, I thought, well, it'll take them about two hours. It took them five hours. Yeah. It took them five yeah. hours. And I was like, holy moly. And I it's wish too I late then. <laughs> it's too late. And I had to pay. And it was my fault. But I felt horrible. And it left a bit of an icky taste in my mouth. It, you know, that I wish they'd given me an indication, you know? So I don't know. Yeah, I think I think fixed rate is, is better for everybody, really. Mm. I mean, if you're going to, for any listeners, if you if you want to charge by the hour, and there's nothing wrong with it, um, give your clients an estimate that you're yes. pretty certain of. And if you're going to yeah. really take a lot longer, let them know. Yeah, totally. How did you use to calculate your hourly rate when, when you were doing a lot of copywriting? Well, I'd like to say that I calculated all my overheads and I looked at how many hours a week I wanted to work and I'd really <laughs> like to say that I did that, but I just um, kept putting my rate up a little bit and a little bit until I felt a little bit uncomfortable with my charging. And I, f yeah. I, I thought that was a good benchmark because I was like, I don't want to charge way too much because I want... I want people to trust me and I have to feel yeah. confident about this number. For me, it has to be a reasonable price to ask, but I wanted to make sure I wasn't undercharging. So I just kind of slowly but surely inched it up and up and up until, yeah, I was just ever so slightly uncomfortable going, oh, I hope they don't think it's too much, <laughs> which sounds ridiculous. It's a ridiculous no, way to do it. I love that. I love your honesty. I really I think I, I appreciate that and I think everyone else will. Um, I think there are more mathematical ways to do it and I'll um, remember to include the 
rate calculator from Flying Solo's website, which is great because it makes you kind of put in, you know, how much your mortgage is and how much your overheads are and what you're going to spend on post-it notes. And then it kind of works out how many hours you have. And and, and really important, which people always forget, is how billable you are because you might have 30 hours a week to work in. But believe me, you won't be working 30 hours. You'll probably only really do... 10 or 15 hours of solid work of that so there's a good little calculator you can use there and it's a good starting point um but i think your way is much more honest and it's probably what we all do of kind of going this feels okay uh i feel comfortable with this and i feel like i'm not going to get laughed at okay they like that okay i'm going to try five dollars more next time on the next job yeah that's pretty much it that's pretty much it but But i think it is important to work know how many hours you want to work a week Mm -hmm. um and what you have to pay it is important to know that yeah totally so I think overall we're saying that you know we although we think it's important to work out your hourly rate and use it as the basis for your quotes we wouldn't necessarily disclose our hourly rate to the client and also another point to cover off here is a lot of journalists um quote by the word that's kind of used to be quite kind of given thing and again I don't think that's a good idea either because especially with online copywriting brevity is everything so if you're charging by the word you're almost being chastised for writing short succinct snappy copy because you're going to get paid less so you could be inclined to waffle on a bit which is exactly what you don't want to do so by the word you know people come to you with that maybe they've been used to working more with journalists um, it's not as I've I've never heard of a copywriter charging by the word. Have you, Belinda? I think it's popular in America. I think it's more Is popular it? in America, yeah, as a quoting basis. But I think exactly what you said. And there's the point that writing short copy is harder. Yeah. You know, was that quote? I didn't have time to write you a short letter, a short so I wrote letter, you a long one. So I wrote one. you a long one. Was that Mark Twain? We all, everything gets attributed to Mark yeah, Twain. Yeah, let's so just say Mark Twain. Makes us look well read. Um, it really does. <laughs> but the other thing about that, her word um, pricing is it has a real commodity feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, you're like pumping out pizzas at a pizza parlor. You know, yeah. it just takes away the craft and the skill. And I'm, you know, I'm not sitting here saying we're artisans and blah 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 because a lot of copywriting can be quite functional and 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 you know producty. Um, but I think it does really make you a commodity. Mm. I think right. So, but there are. I'm just going to totally turn this on the head and say there are two instances where you can charge by the hour. So this is this is just changing it up here. Um, so there are two times when I would recommend charging by the hour, and that would be if you have a ret- maybe have a retainer agreement. Uh-huh. Um, so just to be clear, a retainer agreement is when you have a set amount of work or hours agreed by the client. Often what happens is you'll say, for example, I'm going to retain you for 10 hours a month to do these projects. Generally, the client gets some kind of kickback for giving you that regular work, so maybe like a 10% discount or something, and they pay you upfront for the work. So you get that money in your bank account at the start of each month, then you do the work, and then you bill for the next month. So that can be great. You can do retain agreements two ways. You can do it at fixed price. So, for example, you're retained to write three blogs a month for this fee, or you can do it in hours. So you're retained for 10 hours. But even then, you probably have to give an indication of what you can achieve in those 10 hours. So that can be an instance where you kind of quote your rate because it makes sense to quote your hourly rate. Another one, which is something we've been talking about in the clever copywriting community, is when you have a client who has little bits and bobs 
constant little bits and bobs, you know, like, oh, could you just, could you just, could you just, mm. and, you know, maybe they've come off the back end of a fixed price project. And then afterwards they're like, oh, I love the work on that. Could you just have a quick look at my Facebook uh, intro or this line of copy that I'm going to use on a product tag? And you're like, how do I build for that? You know, once or twice you might do it just to be nice. But after that, you're like, hey, you know, each of these little things is taking me 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I need to bill for this. Um, but you don't want to be doing a fixed price quote every time and sending an invoice. And so what I recommend here is saying to the client, look, it seems like you've got a few bits and bobs that you'd like doing. How about we you pre-buy 10 hours of me? And then every time I do something, I'll just, you know, come back to you and say, okay, I took 20 minutes to do that. You now have nine hours and 40 minutes left. And you kind of work down that way. So that can be another way of charging by the hour. Yeah, I think the the key to those two situations is they can be fantastic for your cash flow because you're getting paid up front. Um, but the the key is trust. You're keeping your clients yes. informed of what's going on, them trusting you with um, that you're doing what you say you're doing, and it's taking you as long as you said, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's very unlikely that you'll walk into that kind of agreement totally cold. So that's the, the blocks of time uh, thing is the way that I work with my designer uh, because I trust her very, very much. And, she, you know, she keeps me totally on top of where we're up to. And I also have a retainer agreement with my virtual assistant. And again, that comes out of trust because I, I just know how long it's going to take her to do stuff. So, you know, but that that's taken us a year or so to get there. So those are lovely agreements to have. It's lovely to have like one or two retainer agreements on the go that kind of keep the cash flow coming in while you're doing the bigger projects. Mm. So there mm. you go. So um, I think next we were going to talk about quoting formula. And I love Belinda has a great little formula that um, we want to share with you today. Go on. <laughs> You know me, it's got to have a process, got to have a system. <laughs> so what I what I honed this kind of quoting formula over the years of doing copywriting um, and basically it was that I had 60% of my figure went on the first draft and that was researching and writing and then I would allocate 20% of my time for revisions and then 10% for extras maybe I hadn't accounted for and 10% on admin. Now, so just to run through that again, 60% of the time um, was quoted for the first draft, 20% on revisions, 10% for extras and 10% for admin. And the key point there is it's not all about how long that first draft takes you. And when you have a look at that kind of formula, and I'll, I've written about this on my blog and we'll include a link in the show notes, um, it gives you some perspective on the whole project because you do have to spend some time on admin and you do have to spend some time on revisions, but they're usually not the big part of the project. Most of your effort, I actually used to have like 80% of the project on the first draft because it was the most time consuming bit of the project. But then, you know, I realized that I also had to factor in um, admin and, and other things. So I kind of adjusted the numbers. And so what that helped me do I would work out how long I thought the first draft would take me to write and that you can usually get a feel for that with experience and then I would use my hourly rate and then I would kind of put together some numbers and either think well yeah that's that's a pretty good number I think that reflects how long this project is going to take and I think that that reflects a reasonable price for the value that I'm offering or sometimes I would put the numbers together and go that's way too much I can't ask them for that and then I would just start playing with the numbers so it's a really flexible quote um quoting formula but it just helps I just feel safe in frameworks <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that, that that I think that's a great formula, and I think mine would mine would be pretty similar. I think maybe, like you said, maybe I would even put a bit more into that first draft. But uh, another way that you can work out your quote is um, to take a per page model. You know, so you think like an average page of web copy, for example, is going to be about four hundred words. How many hours is it going to take me to write that first page? Uh, you know, maybe a couple of hours, and then there are ten pages in the site. So blah 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 blah. So a per yes. page model can work as well. I think I did but that I- as well, actually. That's probably yeah. where I started, and then I thought, oh, okay. Well, what about revisions? Oh, what yes. about admin? Yeah, so I kind of have a, a fee that kind of is a something per page and includes a round of uh, amends and a bit of proofing. Um, but I think the point is, is that massaging of the figures. Mm. So whatever formula you use, you'll end up with a figure and you could even approach it from Belinda's way and the per page way and see what if they come out similar. But then I think it's a case of looking at that figure and going, will the client pay this? So one thing I think a lot of copywriters struggle with is the classic, I need 200, uh, 50 100 word product descriptions. And so you reasonably say to yourself, well, look, maybe half an hour to write each or 20 minutes. And then you times that amount by your hourly rate and the number of pages and you look at it and you go, whoa, whoa, you know, this is a huge figure that I'm about to quote. And then you maybe need to go back to it and go, well, look, realistically, although I've said 20 minutes or 30 minutes per description, I'm not going to spend seven days writing these because I just, that's crazy. So really, maybe three days for the first draft if I really went for it. Do you see what I mean? So you have to kind of, you can modulize it and, you know, percentage it as much as you want. But then you have to look at that end figure and go, does that end figure look crazy? And there's nothing wrong with massaging it down. If it comes in at 3,100 and you go, that looks like a big figure. I'm going to change it to 2,950 because that is a more attractive figure in the sales world. We all know that if you break those zeros, um, you know, make them just under, that it, it feels like you're paying less. That's why everything is, you know, $199, not $200. Yeah, so there's absolutely. nothing wrong with massaging your figures afterwards to make them feel right. Yeah, that makes sense. but I think, you know, it's also important to remember that it's not just about that writing. There's amends. There's yes. briefing, there's invoicing, there's the time you spend marketing and all that goes into your hourly rate, you know, mm. and how long you spend on a project. Totally. And um, in our next project, we're going to be talking about, um, next pod- podcast, sorry, we're going to be talking about amends and sign off and how you manage that because that can be a point where your, you know, your carefully crafted uh, budget and fixed price can really spin out of control. So oh, yes. We'll be- oh, yes, baby. <laughs> so we'll be talking about that next week. But let's, so we assume you've, you've, you've worked out your hourly rate you've come up with your fixed price project in whatever way that you think is good for you and you've sent that off to the client and now it's that agonizing way of are they going to come back um now this is something that's a real bugbear for me it really annoys me um when copywriters make clients jump through hoops to do a quote so you know we've just gone through this whole process but say somebody just calls you up and says look i've got a 10-page website can you give me a rough idea of what it's going to cost uh, and the copywriter mm-hmm. goes no i can't give you a rough idea because every project's different every client's unique <laughs> yes i need you to fill out this brief i need to have a one-hour call with you i need you to answer these 72 questions and then then i will give you a quote and there's two reasons why that's dumb One, the client's going to go, whoa, I have to do so much work just to get an indication of what this is going to cost. I can't be bothered. 
you know, I'm going elsewhere. Don't make it if, if don't make it too difficult for the client because there's plenty of other copywriters who are going to make it easier for them. And secondly, it's just not true. Um, if, if, unless you've just started yesterday, you're bound to have done a similar-ish project. You're bound to have done a website or a flyer. And yes, the industry may be slightly different. You might be a plumber this time and previously it was a hairdresser, but yeah, it's not that different, really. Um, you know, unless it's something radically different like neurosurgery and you're going to have to do a whole lot of research and read a whole lot of regulations. Projects are pretty much similar, I find. Don't you I, think? I absolutely agree. I think a ten, for for near, for eighty percent of industries, a ten-page website is a ten-page website. A four-page oh, brochure is a four-page brochure. The only reason. Um, I think copywriters try and get talking to potential clients. I did exactly the same thing when I first started out is because you're trying to sell yourself. And the more you can talk to them, the more you can sell yourself. But once you have a pipeline that's full, you know, that becomes time consuming for you and your potential client. And it is kind of annoying. So I agree. I like to say things like, well, at a ballpark without knowing anything more, I would put this as the price estimate for what you've just told me. But then you can put a caveat saying, once we go through the brief or once I get to ask ask you a few more questions, I can actually lock that in with a fixed price. But throwing ballpark figures out over email and over the phone can really save you both a lot of effort. That's it, because you might, you know, you, if you don't kind of get a gauge from the client fairly quickly um, about what they can afford to pay, you could spend hours going through all this process to come back with a figure and then go, that's too much. Yes, that's you know? exactly so right. The sooner you can kind of give them a vague, and it can even it can be within a thousand dollars. So you can say, look, you know, a website's going to cost between X and X, and the, the difference between the two figures can be a thousand dollars. That's fine, but at least you're giving them a ballpark. And um, now, how do you come to those ballparks and maybe have something where you can quickly refer to and go, well, look, this is my this is what it averagely costs me to do a flyer. I think it's a really good idea to set up a rate card. Yeah. Whether you ever show anybody that rate card is entirely up to you. I've never shared mine, but I think setting up a rate card with this is what I usually charge for a 10-page website, a four-page brochure, a one-page flyer, a three autoresponders. Having those costs there, having that on your desk so you can quickly refer to it and give a ballpark saves so much time. And um, I'll include a link to the rate card template on the Clever Copywriting School that you can use as a basis for that um, or you can just create your own. And then I think, I, although we did talk about earlier about changing your prices and f- prices being fluid and putting them up a little bit, I think it's generally a good idea to try and stick to your pricing for around three months, you know, depending on how many clients you get. If you get a lot of clients, you could maybe change it faster. But three months is, for me, a kind of a good amount of time to go, yep, they're happy, they're paying, my quotes are getting accepted, this is a good price, I'm comfortable with it, I've done three or four jobs, okay, three months later, now I'm going to look at putting it up, and then another three months later, now I'm going to put it up. And the rule I always use, which Belinda referred to as well at the beginning, is if your quotes get rejected all the time, they're too high, but if they get accepted all the time, they're too low. So if you send a quote off and someone comes back within a second and goes, yep, that's perfect, you've probably quoted less than they thought. Yeah. The ideal situation is when someone comes back and goes, oh, okay, well, that's kind of at the top end of my budget or that's a bit more than I thought. Can we have a chat? That's perfect. That's I love I- that. Because then, as Belinda says, you can talk to them, you can negotiate and you can work out a scope of works and a price that works for both of you. 
Yeah, absolutely. That is absolutely the perfect situation because you get to sell yourself, you get to convince them of the value you offer and why you're worth every penny. But then sometimes it is a bit too much for them. And this is, I thought, you know, we could talk about this as well because then what do you do if they just say, that's a bit too much? And never reduce your price. That's my my general rule. Don't say, oh, well, I'll do it for a bit cheaper because you're crying poor because then (laughs) you have to do it for everyone. Um, But what you can do is to reduce the project figure is to reduce the scope a little bit. Say, okay, well, um, let's have a look at which of the 10 pages of the website that you're asking for. Maybe we could choose five that are your top priority and we can get those done first, you know, or you can um, break break the project up in phases and, and dole out sort of installment invoice and stuff, offer them that kind of payment plan option um, or just cut the scope. And when you do that, they have to prioritise and, and tell you what's most important to them. And if it's all really important, then they have to stump up the cash. Yeah. And I think another way that I often work is, you know, because I, I would say that I'm probably at the higher end of, of cost, is that I'll often go back to that clients and say, look, I know that's a big investment. How about we do a couple of pages at this price? And then when you feel super comfortable with me and you realize that I'm awesome, yeah. then we could talk about the rest of the job. So maybe try and take a chunk. of They've asked you for a, a brochure, a website and an email also responder. Like it's kind of changing the scope, but maybe you just say, look, let's do this bit see if we like working with each other and then we can do the next bit. Yeah, and because it's important not to get arrogant and say it's an all or nothing situation. You want to make them feel good about giving you some money. Um, You want them to trust you and you want to show them that you are worth that price. So, you know, it's a give and take, but I recommend not reducing your hourly rate just because someone says that their budget doesn't quite cover it. Yeah, just because they've asked. Although, again, and I keep doing this. I keep on, we set these rules in, and then I break Contrarian. I'm contrarian. But, for example, somebody came to me recently, and they wanted a video script, and I do have a set price for video scripts. So, very easily, I was able to come back and say, look, it's, it's this much for this long a video. And they're like, oh, oh I can't do it. Um, and I was having, that day, I, uh, for some reason, a couple of projects have been postponed, and I really like the product, and I really fancied writing a video script. So, I said, hey, look, I'll do it for this. You know, just because I'm having a day where I feel like doing it for this, but, you know, this is not something I do regularly. And I did the job and I really enjoyed it and they gave me a lot of positive feedback and blah, blah, blah. So, that you know, we can sit here on our mighty thrones putting out these, don't do this. No, don't yeah. But there's realities, you know, you're like, you've, you've quoted a job. I think you'd be honest about it and you say, look, I, I wouldn't usually put my rates down, but hey, uh, uh, you know, I'll do it just for you on this particular, you know, it's not a habit you want to get into, but damn it, if you've got your mortgage repayment coming up and there's been no jobs for weeks, you can stick to your guns or you, and not pay your mortgage. Or you can That's so break true. Your That's it's true. Hard, you know, um, yeah. rules are meant to be broken. They are. So when you've, uh, putting that aside, how do you tell clients your prices? And I think um, we've kind of covered this off, but just to sum it up, there's a few different schools of thought. Client emails you and you give them a ballpark. That's probably a great way to go. Some copywriters do put pricing on their websites. So they either put that hourly rate, which as we've said, we think is a bit meaningless because it doesn't mean anything until you kind of say how many hours. So, um, Or you actually have fixed prices on your site. So I, I think I still have the page. I have a page on my website where I have small business packages 
packages where I have, you know, you get this many pages and you get this many rounds of amends and blah, blah, blah. And it costs you this much. Now, I did that about four years ago. Um, and it was a great way to get work because very quickly I could just send my client, potential clients to that page and go, here are my rates. Are you in or are you out? And they would either say yes or no. And it saved me a whole lot of time doing proposals, messing around. It was like having some, a little part of my rate card on my website. It only worked for me because I did get so many inquiries. So it didn't matter that lots of people said that was too much because there was always seven people waiting in the queue. So it, that's why it worked for me. Putting up prices on the website is a gamble. It's a big gamble. And, and I don't know if we can say whether it's a good idea or not. I think it's something you need to think about. Yeah, and you ever possibly have test. Yeah, test it out. I never put I my prices on. I have one of those. I used to have one of those annoying rates pages going, hey, you came here to get some numbers and they're not here. And I'm not going to tell you what they are. <laughs> um, another thing, I mean, I, I think with, with pricing is to pick something that you really enjoy and that you're quite fast at and maybe have a price for that and only that. So I don't have pricing for anything else. I only have pricing for websites. So if you want pricing for videos or anything else, you have to ask me. But it kind of sets a benchmark. Well, look, if she's yeah. charging this much for a website, I can tell that she's not going to be charging $20 for a blog, you know, yes. and it kind of positions you, but you're not like laying all your cards on the table. So that might be an option. I'm probably going to move towards removing uh, those prices from the site because I'm actually not kind of actually doing that many copywriting jobs at the moment with everything else that's going on. Um, but it, I think that page has been very useful for many other copywriters. It's a very often <laughs> visited page. And uh, when I speak to copywriters, they're like, oh, I checked out your pricing page and it was really helpful so I think it, while, it, <laughs> while it's been good for my business I think it's been good for a lot of copywriters as well some um, copywriters do send out their rate cards that can be great a good thing to do um, but you know one of the main ways of working out pricing and budget is to ask the client yes what is your budget you know lots of them will say I don't have a clue fine but lots of them will say ah, about this much because while people may not know exactly what it's going to cost, they know what they're not going to be willing to pay. Yes. So, you know, I want to go and get a new pair of shoes. I'd kind of like them to cost this much. You know, I'm not going to pay $500. So there's no point me going into a shop where the shoes are $500. Just let's just deal with that straight away. Um, so asking for a budget, people are very frightened about doing that. Um, but I don't really see why. What do you think? Um yeah, well, I, don't, I never really asked, I didn't ask it a lot because I found that most of the people I was talking to didn't really have a figure, but you're exactly right. They knew, uh, they had a gut instinct on what was too much, but the yeah. question can be an opening gambit to talk openly and honestly about price because yeah. there's always a bit of awkwardness talking about money. It is awkward. It's horrible. Yeah, it is awkward. I think it's, you know, um, there's a, a copywriter, Anna. Oh, I've forgotten her second name. Anna from Copy Break. Anna Butler. Anna, Anna Butler. Anna, uh, that's it, Anna Butler. And she said, you know, she always, rather than asking for budget, she says, look, you know, usually it's the kind of, I've done this before thing. Usually this kind of website would cost around this or this. How does that make, does that sound good to you? Yes. And that's the first thing she kind of goes back with. And it just gets a response straight away, you know, um, and saves you a lot of time. Again, it's about confidence and where you're at with your journey and how many inquiries you're getting. Um, I actually have a budget field on my contact form now. I've actually made my contact form much longer and I ask a lot more of the client because I just don't 
have the time to deal with time tire kickers or even persuade that much you know do that whole on the phone give my value you know i i'd rather just if you want me you want me and if you don't you don't but um believe me i wasn't like that when i started out anyway um so finally we're gonna now talk about how to bill yeah so you've sent your pricing You've sent your invoice, they've said yes, and you're like, woohoo, this job is happening, people. Um, so what do you do now? Well, I think Belinda and I have mentioned this before, but we're going to say it again, and we're going to say it again and again. Always, 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 always charge a deposit. Always. You should have tried to say that. We should have said that in unison. That would have been even more. <laughs> I charge a 50% deposit. Um, yeah. I know some copywriters charge 30 um, if it's a big amount of money, like maybe, I don't know what that means to you, but, um, you know, if it's a big chunk and it's going to take you a, a series of weeks, consider phasing payments or having installments. I'm doing a big uh, kind of 20 grand job at the moment. Now, if I had done 50% up front, 50% at the end, the risk would have been too big for the client to give me that much money up front. And it would have been too long for me to wait to get the other half. So we're, you can either break that down and get paid by the week. And I've, what I've done is break the project down into like four chunks so that once I finish each chunk, I get a payment. So there's different ways of doing it, but definitely make sure you have money in your account before you do anything. Yeah, absolutely. It's really tempting, especially when it's an exciting project and you want to get started and you're all pumped up to go, oh, I'm sure they'll pay the deposit. Let's just have the brief and I'll get started. And it's just every time I've done it, it has been a disaster. (laughs) Totally. Totally. And, you know, some clients will come to you with this urgency and they'll try and make their urgency your urgency. And they'll be like, yeah, look, look, I can organize the deposit, but it's going to take two weeks to go through the finance department. Can you start anyway? Anyway, you know, and the truth is that unless they are a government department, or a huge corporation who most likely aren't going to rip you off because they're a government department or a huge corporation. Okay. If they're a small business, they've got a credit card in their wallet. They can pay you via PayPal. They can pay you right now. If it's that urgent, they can pay you. Um, as Belinda said, every time I have waived that process and gone straight to start work, it is, it's been a bad project because I think it shows to a degree a bit of a lack of respect that like they need you need to do stuff for them right now but they're not prepared to do stuff for you right now yeah that's um, exactly right and I think if, if they can't find time to pay the deposit then it's um, more than likely that they can't in quotes find time to pay your invoice Yes, your exactly. final invoice. So it's just, it's a flag for a whole lot of problems around money. And I think it's easier, like we've been talking about, here's the rule. Now, these are the times you can break it. I think this is one rule that you just shouldn't break. If it's really a priority for them, they will pay the deposit. Totally. And I think, you know, some companies do struggle getting uh, payments through um, finance departments and all that kind of good stuff. So I highly recommend setting up a PayPal account um, that way that you you can get paid via credit card. Um, And, you know, yes, there are fees. I think it's 2.5% or something like that. So put those fees back on the client. They're the ones who need to use their credit card because they can't get the payment through. So you can either put the fees on the client or you can agree to split the difference and you pay half the fees and they pay half the fees and you don't they don't need to have a paypal account to pay you using their credit card on paypal Um, that's a question i get asked a lot so and that's a way to say look you know i know i understand that these things take time with finance departments how about you pay me on your credit card and then you claim it back (laughs) from your finance department again again agencies and government um uh, companies, government companies, is that even a thing? Um, they can take 30 days to pay. So that is going to be your call. You know, you will not probably get a deposit. 
from a government agency, a government or some agencies. A lot of agencies do pay a deposit because they understand the cash flow of a small business person. But governments, you know, generally, sometimes it can even be 60 days. So if you're going to take on a job like that, maybe make sure that you have a few small jobs as well to keep the cash flow going while you wait for that. And, you know, stomping your feet with an agency doesn't work. No. <laughs> My payment terms are just... seven days and they go tough. Yeah. <laughs> tough luck, baby. Um, it's hard. It hard. Agencies are hard. They are indeed. But, um, you know, how do you... I was going to say late payments because, you know, we're talking yeah. about long payment cycles. Um, most small businesses don't have that long a pay cycle, but they will try and mm. get away with much longer payment terms than they have agreed to. And um, it, it, it'll inevitably happen. Some people pay the second they get their invoice. And I love those people so much. <laughs> but some people will just go, oh, yeah, oh, it's not paid. Can you resend the invoice? Oh, 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 and you know they're just looking after their own cash flow rather than yours. And my my rule was always uh, the day after it's overdue, um, I would send out an email and just chase it up in a very polite way. And then if it wasn't paid pretty promptly, I would jump on the phone, still being polite. The third time I have to chase them up, I would get quite abrupt and I would start talking about getting in a debt collection agency, which more often than not was the bit that worked and I was I've been really lucky through my copywriting that I've rarely had to deal with late payers and I feel very grateful for that but always polite but firm and explain what they agreed to until the third chase up and then shit gets real yeah I'm the same I haven't had many late payers I've only ever threatened once with a debt collection agency I've never actually used the debt collection agency um, I think your process is great but you know what I think as well I think you need to get them on the phone there's nothing like talking to somebody and it's saying so true. Hey, you haven't paid my invoice and it's mortifying <laughs> yeah. for them and it can be hard for you but you have to remember that's actually your money now it's actually your money you're not bad for asking for it it's your money they're keeping it from you um, and you know most of the time I'd say 95% of the time it's accident or something's happened or they meant to pay it or they've sent it to the finance department and it got lost you know I don't think many people maliciously don't pay no um, I agree should- more often than not when you get on the phone with them yeah, it's worked like, out oh, so easily yeah and I mean I do it myself you know sometimes my virtual assistant is like hey you didn't pay that invoice and I'm like I did I, oh oh I didn't you know sorry because <laughs> I pay I'm like like you said I pay the day it comes in I don't wait for the seven days or whatever I just like to get them done and out so but I think you know getting on the phone is hugely powerful it can be quite scary but um yeah you know I, and I also think usually by the end of the project, if they're going to be a tricky payer, you know that this is coming, you know, you yeah. know, because you can, they've been tricky all the way through. Maybe they were funny about your deposit and they were funny about amends and, but you know, you're just like, oh God, I know they're not going to pay my invoice on time. It does happen. But thankfully, I think it's, it's not the, it's the rarity, not the other one. I can't remember the phrase. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Um, and one final uh, tip on this as well is a lot of copywriters bill the final amount when they finish the job, which makes sense, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Um, but there are different ways of managing this as well. So I worked with a designer recently who was like, okay, I'm done. I'm about to send through your final designs. You can just pay my invoice and then I'll send them through to you. So she actually wasn't going to send me the designs until I'd paid. I thought that was quite severe, but um, it made me pay. Another way to do it is to just say when you're doing your process um, that the second invoice will be due 
X amount of days after the first draft is delivered. So you say deliver the draft on the 1st of January, 14 days later, regardless of where you are in your process, if you're finished, if you're not, the second invoice is going to come. And so you're making final payment dependent on something you've done, not on something the client's done. Because then, you know, if your client wanders off or goes on holiday for a week, you've still got the money in your account, your cash flow is good, and then you know you can handle the amends as and when you want to. Um, we'll talk about uh, amends period in the next podcast, but yes, I think it's really important to bill on a, an agreed date and tell the client that date at the start of the project so that they know it's coming right from day dot. Yeah, setting the expectations, and this this is a common theme through all our podcasts, I think, when you're working with clients. If you set the right expectations and they know it's coming, then a lot of the complexity and awkwardness out of giving great customer service is gone because everyone knows yeah. the rules of the game then. Totally. And, and, you know, as we have also said before, they're looking to you for the guidance. You know, they may have never worked with a copywriter before. So you set the rules, make them clear, you take them through the process, they'll love you for it. So there you go. That was quite a long one. But pricing is a hugely rich subject and something that Belinda and I get asked about all the time. So we oh, hope yeah. you found oh, yeah. this useful. We've included lots of links and useful tools in the show notes. So check those out and um, leave us a comment uh, on the blog. And to wrap it up, as always, we love to give a shout out to one of our listeners. And today, I'd love to give a shout out to Darren Rouse, who gave us this fantastic review when we had this pod launched. So he says, really enjoying this podcast. Congrats on the launch. And here's to many more episodes, Kate and Belinda. Well, cheers to you, Darren. Thanks, Darren. And as always, you can visit hotcopypodcast.com. You can see all the show notes and the resources we mentioned in the podcast and leave us your comments. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher because as you just heard, we read them out on the show. You will get your name on the pod. We can also link to you. So it's pretty, pretty good. And it also helps other copywriters find us. So I hope you enjoyed this replay. Until next time, happy writing. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Belinda.